Hey guys, this is Erin from Roadrun Blonde, and I wanted to tell you about a new feature on ACAST that supports its artists. It's the supporter feature. Listeners to Roadrun Blonde can now donate and support the podcast. However, there's no subscription or commitment. You can just give whenever or whatever you'd like. It's completely up to you. Just find the support the show link in the show description on any episode. You can use Apple Pay or Google Pay, and it takes less than 30 seconds. You can donate anonymously, or you can add a message that I can see. As a podcaster, everything comes directly out of my pocket. I don't get paid to podcast. It's just my passion. So anything is appreciated to keep the show going. Thank you so much, guys. And now on to the show. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello and welcome to Red Rum Blonde. This is a true crime podcast. Each week... I'll explore a case, the victims, the facts, and the mystery surrounding it. Some are solved, some remain unsolved. I'm your host, Erin Fleming. Hi, welcome to Red Round Blonde. If you're anything like me, you probably find imposters pretty fascinating. Take, for instance, Elizabeth Holmes. She's the founder and former CEO of a company called Theranos. And that company made the revolutionary claim that it could do blood testing using very small amounts of blood, as small as a pinprick. The success of the company made Holmes the youngest self-made female billionaire in the United States. She graced the cover of business magazines, gave many popular talks, and she captured the curiosity of the whole world. But after some digging, it was discovered that she had falsified what her company could do. It was just a pipe dream. Her company could not accurately test blood with such a small amount. Holmes got into very hot water, being indicted by a federal grand jury, as well as facing the scorn of those who most recently admired her. But, you know, the media is still fascinated by her. A recent documentary has exposed not just the false claims of her company, but the false image that she portrayed to the world. Holmes, who is a great admirer of Apple's Steve Jobs, dresses in black, and has even dropped her vocal range in an effort to emulate her idol. If you hear her voice, it's really weird. She talks very low like this. 
and it sounds very unnatural. The popular book Bad Blood, Secrets and Lies in Silicon Valley chronicles the whole story. And in addition to that, there's been a podcast called The Dropout, as well as the HBO documentary that I mentioned earlier called The Inventor, Out for Blood in Silicon Valley. People just can't get enough of this crazy story. Another story in a similar vein is at the news. A young woman claiming to be a German socialite bilked friends, hotels, and investors out of hundreds of thousands of dollars. And when I first read the story, I wasn't too interested. I was more entertained by this woman's court appearances. She appears wearing her long hair pulled back or sometimes down, sporting clunky, chic black glasses that I'm sure she doesn't need to actually wear. So I just found her really interesting. And then my boyfriend sent me this article by someone who was closely involved with the faux socialite. And it was riveting. This girl had such an ease and almost arrogance with how she got money out of people. And suddenly I was reading everything I could find about this scam artist. So this week I'll talk about scam artist Anna Delvey. But first I do want to get into some red rum business. So last week on the show I talked about how I've been dealing with some really bad depression Like, really bad. I don't even remember when it's been this bad. And I had a lot of people reach out to me. And they told me how they too have been suffering from depression, or at one time have suffered from it. And each person told me about their struggle, and each one of them gave me words of comfort and encouragement. And this was something I no way expected. I just want to thank everyone who did this. That meant a lot. I really hate that there's this stigma attached to depression. And I also hated the excuses that I was making instead of just admitting what the real problem was. So that's why I just came out and said, I've had some really bad depression. I've been putting off doing the podcast. So to get that kind of feedback just gives me a lot of hope for the world. I mean, you guys really rock. And then another great thing, there's been a slew of new members to the Red Rum Blonde Facebook group. So I want to thank and welcome Lori, Noah, Jen, Samantha, Lily, and my really good friend Amy. I am so glad you're here. And remember, you can also find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram. So now let's get into the show. The article that I read was so good, and it was written for The Cut by Jessica Pressler, and I think it was in maybe New York Magazine, but you can find it online. And I won't be able to give you that same experience that I got from reading it because it was so well written, but I hope my retelling will give you a good idea of what Pressler was trying to convey. Definitely go ahead and, you know, read it for yourself. Check it out. So the article is told from the eyes of a 25-year-old concierge at the 11 Howard Hotel named Nefertari Davis, or just Neff as she's known. She first encountered Anna Delvey in February of 2017 when she slid a $100 bill across the counter hoping to get the down low on the best food in Soho. And Neff was instantly intrigued by this young woman with an indiscernible accent crazy red hair, and chunky black glasses. Neff was surprised that the woman had booked a room for a month because, 
This was a $400 a night room and was normally used by celebrities. And soon Delvey was a regular at her desk asking for advice on places to check out in the area while always slipping Neff a $100 bill. But she soon realized that this girl already knew the hot spots and she just simply wanted her time and attention. Other employees at the hotel weren't as charmed by the young woman. I mean, her manners weren't that great and she could be a bit blunt. But she was always very generous with her tips, slipping a $100 bill into the hand of whoever helped her. And there were almost fights over who would get to help her because it was a sure way to make a $100 bill. Anna Delvey became a frequent fixture in the lobby, sometimes just wearing a robe she was so comfortable. And most of the time, she was decked out in high-end designer clothing. Neff got to know her very well, and they became fast friends. She learned that Anna was trying to launch a business in Soho, and it was going to be a club that focused on art. It was quite a big undertaking, which really impressed the concierge. According to Anna, she came from a German family who made their money in solar panels. As I mentioned before, Anna was very generous with her money. She lavished it on her new friend, buying her everything from massages to clothing to a package of sessions with a personal trainer slash life coach. Now that package was $4,000. Delvey was always coming back to the hotel room loaded down with packages from shopping boutiques. Not only was she endlessly rich, but she was very popular with everyone from CEOs to celebrities, having been on the social scene for years. Her start began as an intern at the European magazine Purple. If you've never seen this magazine, it's very fashionable. It looks like a hardcover book. It's very oversized. It's with the, probably with the import magazines and the magazine sections at your stores. She became very close to editor-in-chief Olivier Zom, who boosted her popularity. Together with the owner of Le Baron, they became part of the scene in places like London and Berlin. People weren't exactly sure what her background was. There were rumors that she was a trust fund kid from Cologne, and others heard she was the daughter of a Russian diplomat or an oil titan. I mean, nobody knew and nobody questioned her. This air of importance was what worked to her advantage. A young museum collector told of how she proposed they go on a trip together, and she asked him to book the plane tickets and hotel on his credit card. He remembered thinking it was odd, but Anna promised to pay him back when they returned. After they returned from the trip, Anna seemed to forget all about the repayment. He didn't think much of it because he was rich, and to quote him, it was not a lot of money, like two or $3,000. Well, you know, to most of us, that is a lot of money. As the writer of the article noted, when you're rich, you can forget about a few thousand dollars. And that seemed to be Anna Delvey's M.O., always expecting someone else to pay for her taxi or plane ticket to pick up her dinner check or to pay her rent. And it worked. They did. They saw her generously dish out $100 bills to wait staff and hotel employees, so surely she was a fellow rich person. 
In 2016, Anna came to New York with the idea for this art club. She found a building uptown, which was 45,000 square feet, on six floors of the historic Church Missions House, which was on the corner of Park Avenue and 22nd Street. So the vision was to have the main part of the club be a dynamic visual arts center with exhibitions and installations from artists like Jeff Koons and Damien Hurst. It seemed really extravagant and ambitious, but in New York, this could become a reality. The owner of the building, developer Abby Rosen, had great success with the core club that showed off art. And coincidentally, he was also the owner of Eleven Howard, the hotel where Anna was staying. She worked closely with a former employee of Rosen's, a guy by the name of Michael Jaffe. He introduced her to a lot of big names that might be interested in playing a part, like Nobu founder Richie Notar. He was told by Anna that her family was very prominent in Germany, and they were funding the project. A project that ambitious required lots of money. Around $25 million on top of the existing $25 million she supposedly already had. So... Anna turned to private investors and hoped for a business loan. She got introduced to Andy Lance, a partner at Gibson Dunn, which was a large firm that worked in real estate. As part of the whole process, Anna filled out forms in which she promised that she had the resources to repay the loan. Lance then, in turn, got her in touch with some very prominent financial institutions. In letters to these institutions, Lance said even though Delvey had substantial assets in Europe, she needed credit in the U.S. The monies that she received would be fully secured by a letter of credit from a Swiss bank. So this guy put his reputation on the line for her, believing her to be completely legitimate. And his connection to the legitimacy of her wealth was always by email to a man named Peter W. Henke. Anna claimed he was the head of her family office. Determined to raise funds for the club, Anna began surrounding herself with more high-roller types rather than just celebrities. One such guest at a dinner was Martin Shkreli. He's the guy who jacked up the price of necessary medicine, and he's now serving jail time for securities fraud. He's a total creep. Even though she introduced him as her dear friend, he said they'd only met one time. So that's an interesting glimpse into how she worked. He did admit to the fact that she was the woman about town. But her lies would not always pass the muster. So remember how I mentioned Abby Rosen? He was the guy who owned a hotel where she was staying, and Anna said that he was going to be an investor. Well, his son Charlie Rosen stopped by the hotel one evening and spoke to Neff at the front desk. She mentioned how excited she was that he was leasing the building to Anna for the arts club. But Rosen was baffled because he'd never heard of the supposed project or even Anna herself. And then he brought up a good point. He said, if my dad has someone buying property from staying here, would she be in a deluxe or would she be in a suite? And then when Neff questioned her about it, Anna simply replied that she felt it was better to pay him back with silence. Pretty soon, the circle of movers and shakers around the heiress got smaller and smaller. Instead of large groups at dinner parties, it was mostly Neff, the trainer, and Rachel Williams, a photo editor at Vanity Fair. 
Rachel wrote her own article about her experiences for Vanity Fair, and it's another great read about Delvey. Anna said her circle shrank because everyone was mad that she left Purple Magazine. And that was her genius. She always had an excuse ready for any lies that anyone stumbled upon. However, not everyone was willing to give her money. National turned her down for her loan request, and the pressure was really on to come up with the money for the club. Anna was always on the phone with lawyers, and that once free-flowing cash suddenly dried up. One night when the check came at dinner, Anna's card was declined. So she gave the waiter another, and then another, and then another, All 12 of her cards were declined, which meant her dinner guest, which was Neff, would have to pony up the money. The bill was easily over $200, which is a lot for a concierge. But because her friend had spent so much on her previously, she did it. And I can tell you that's a chunk of change for a working person. Then hotel management asked Neff to talk to Anna about the fact that they didn't have a credit card on file for her. They had been waiting for a promised $30,000 wire transfer to cover the room. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And charges to the room. Of course, Anna promised that it was on its way. And in the meantime, she sent a vintage bottle of Dom Perignon to the staff. But they weren't impressed with the gift, and they threatened the locker out. So suddenly, a wire transfer appeared. But she still hadn't given them a credit card to keep on file. The hotel changed the lock and put her possessions in storage. She was away on business, and when she found out, she was livid. When she returned, she threatened to purchase web domains in the manager's names. Now, I really don't understand this whole thing, so if you do explain it to me, I know that they would have to buy them back, but still, I don't understand this. I don't have a criminal mind, so I don't know what damage this would do or what impact this would have. This didn't deter her from taking a trip to Morocco, reserving a place that cost $7,000 a night. She invited Neff, the trainer, Rachel, and a videographer that she said would be filming a documentary on the planning of the art club. But just like the rest of us, Neff knew she couldn't just take eight days off of work. Her bosses wouldn't let her. Even though Anna urged her to quit, Neff declined. Her mother gave her some pretty wise advice. She said, you know, nothing in life is free, so if it is, something is up. 
Well, you know, because that was the promise that Anna would pay for everything. And I think we all see where this is going. The trainer had to leave the trip early due to food poisoning. And then Anna called her sobbing, saying there was a problem with her credit cards and the hotel was going to call the police. She made up some excuse about not letting her bank know that she was going to be out of the country, so they put a hold on it. So feeling that same guilt that Neff felt at dinner, the trainer offered her her credit card. Luckily for her, it did not go through. Unfortunately, Rachel stepped in to pay, but she didn't do it so much out of guilt for what Anna had done for her, but fear. When the hotel realized they didn't have a card on file, they sent some very opposing men to constantly be with the women, and these guys wouldn't even sit. They would only stand. So just like Neff, Rachel didn't have the means to foot the bill. She said she only had about $400 in her bank account. But the hotel promised her that her card would not be charged. And as you can guess, it was charged. But like everyone, she thought Anna was good for the money. And even though Anna promised to wire $70,000 to cover the expense, the money never came. And the amount charged was way more than Rachel even made annually. The stress wore on her. With a huge debt hanging over her, she lost sleep and weight. I mean, just imagine having to pay a $67,000 bill. So trying to stay ahead of the game, Anna moved her things out of 11 Howard. Then 20 days into her stay at her new hotel, they confiscated her belongings and locked her out of her room after realizing they also did not have a credit card on file. And it happened at the next hotel, too. She became homeless. She turned to her trainer friend. She showed up outside this woman's building, even though she was on a date. So while she was in the other room, she asked to stay at the woman's place for the night. The trainer relented. But in the meantime, the trainer texted Rachel about what was going on. So they swapped stories and planned to confront her. Meanwhile, she did set her up in a room. I don't know if she ended her date quickly or what. The next morning, the trainer lent her a dress and thought she would just send her on her way. Instead, when the trainer returned later in the day, the front lobby desk said Anna had been hanging tough in the lobby waiting for her. The trainer felt trapped in her own apartment. It all soon caught up to the wannabe socialite. After trying to skip out on a dinner bill, the police were called. The press had a field day. She got criminal attorney Todd Spodek to represent her. She didn't have a place to stay still, so she called the trainer back. And the trainer and Rachel acted on their intervention. When they pressed her about repayment, she cried, saying she was good for it. Everything would work out when she signed the lease for the club. And that's when they showed her a headline about the club already being leased to someone else. What was her response? Oh, that's fake news. Rachel emailed the New York County District Attorney's Office saying that she thought Anna was a con artist, and they replied saying they agreed. The truth was, even her name was a lie. Her real name is Anna Sorokin. The District Attorney's Office were investigating her since 2016 when she submitted documents claiming a net worth of $60 million in Swiss accounts to National Bank to try to get that loan. She gave those same documents a month later to another bank, 
to try for a $35 million loan. They asked her for $100,000 to perform due diligence, so she asked someone at City National to extend a line of credit to her for $100,000. She wired that money to Fortress Bank. But Fortress sent their people to Switzerland to check out her assets. So Anna panicked and withdrew, wiring the remaining $55,000 to Citibank to cover personal expenses. Now, bear in mind, these weren't like normal personal expenses. They were to cover very high-end clothing and things like that. Then she wrote $160,000 worth of bad checks, giving her time to withdraw $70,000 to pay off 11 Howard and to buy the domain names of the managers there. She sent out a slew of phony wire transfers to hotels, City National, and her friend Rachel. And Peter Henneke, her family advisor, well, it seems he never even existed. While her misdemeanor charges were still pending, she deposited two more bad checks into her account. She was arrested outside passages in Malibu and brought back to New York to face six counts of grand larceny, attempted grand larceny, and theft of services. In the article, it said she's taking Rikers Island in stride, saying it wasn't all that bad. It was more like a social experiment. Like a lot of criminals, she'll probably learn more tricks while incarcerated. She met one girl who was in for identity theft. Anna said, I didn't believe it was so easy. So what's Anna's real story? She was born in 1991 in Russia. Her family moved to Germany when she was about 16. She went to high school near Cologne. Her father was not an oil tycoon. He was a truck driver who later worked as an executive at that same company and then later started his own energy-efficient heating and cooling business. So in a sense, she didn't lie about the solar panel angle. I just doubt they were as rich as she made out. And they deny that there was any kind of trust fund. Her family did pay for her to go to school in London. When she dropped out, they paid for her to go to Berlin and then Paris, where she interned at Purple Magazine. And they covered all her cost of living. And that's when her con life began. So it wasn't even out of necessity that she did these things. And that's what makes her actions really interesting to me. She doesn't seem to feel bad about what she's done to anyone. It does seem like she genuinely wanted to open the club, though. The burning question posed to the author of the article by many were, why this girl? She was just this average-looking girl and certainly not very charming. So how did she manage to bilk so many people out of money? She came to realize that Anna distracted people with the idea that she had wealth, and then they were unable to see anything else. And by Anna's own definition, she thought she was talented. She said money, like there's an unlimited amount of capital in the world, you know, but there's limited amounts of people who are talented. I think she's referring to what she thinks is her talent to try to get the club going. But in reality, her talent was conning people. So right now, she's sitting in jail, and her court appearances are raising eyebrows. She apparently paid a stylist to dress her. and She showed up to one court hearing in a sleeveless black dress with a plunging neckline and a choker. You know, something a seductress might wear, not an innocent girl. So this stylist isn't doing her any favors. She sports those chunky black glasses. 
Apparently, she was late for one appearance because she refused to come out wearing what the prison provided for her. And the judge was not having it, saying the court was not a fashion show. So I get a feeling she's making things a lot worse for herself. But I also sense that she may be a narcissist and not get that. So I don't know. I just saw the story about her court appearances on Inside Edition and just shush. This show is my jam. If you're unfamiliar, just go watch any episode. It's a kind of gossipy news show and they always follow what's big in the news, followed by some kind of batshit crazy stories. Like this episode was about a pianist losing her finger when a building fell on her. Another story about a home invasion where the gun owner turned the gun on the invader. And then a recent kidnapping of skincare CEO in Uganda and Anna Delvey. And they always throw in some crazy clip like a bear on a trampoline in someone's backyard. I mean, I love this show. And there's teasers all throughout to keep you watching. Like, up next is the food in your refrigerator safe. And then, is that squirrel on a surfboard? It's great. I watch it every day. I can't get enough. And, you know, sadly, it's where I get a lot of my news. I was really pumped when they featured Anna. So if you want to get 30 minutes of pure amusement, just watch any Inside Edition. So that was the story of con artist Anna Delvey. And just like last week's case of R. Kelly, this one's still in court, so there are sure to be future developments. And I'm quite fascinated, so I'll be following the case for sure. You know, of course, it's not as interesting as murder, but it's still something to follow. Just to check in to see what she's wearing. And you know, we all need to take a little break from serious murder stories. Of course, my break wasn't that long. I fall asleep every night to forensic files after all. Thanks for tuning in this week. Thanks for always being supportive, guys. As always, join the Red Rum Blonde Facebook group if you haven't yet. And if you're in there, feel free to post true crime stories or anything you'd like. And of course, if you like the podcast, please subscribe. Thank you so much for listening and catch you guys next week.